the Gilda's maximum lawyers community of legal entrepreneurs who are taking their businesses and lives to the next level. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships, be held accountable, and learn strategies specifically designed to get you unstuck and accelerate your plan for growth. Members are also granted exclusive access to masterminds hosted around the country. Our next event is coming up, and we're heading to Scottsdale, Arizona. There's something truly magical about the power of these in-person connections where real-time breakthroughs happen. Picture this. You're surrounded by like-minded law firm owners tackling your business and mindset challenges together. The energy is electric, the insights are transformative, and the results are game-changing. Investing in yourself is the best decision you'll ever make. The knowledge, strategies, and breakthroughs you'll gain are priceless assets that will supercharge your practice and propel you forward. Join the Guild and secure your ticket to Scottsdale at the best possible price by visiting maxlawevents.com. Run your law firm the right way. way. This is the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Your hosts, Jim Hacking and Tyson Mutrix. Let's partner up and maximize your firm. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. I'm Jim Hacking. And I'm Tyson Mutrix. What's up, Jimmy? Who said I'm longer? I think you did. I think I did. I was I was about to laugh because we were we were just kind of chuckling with Melanie before, and I just I hadn't shaken off the laughs yet. So I I, I feel like I was about to get a case of the giggles. To be honest with you, well, we're really excited to have her. Why don't you go ahead and introduce our guest? Of course, you're going to make me do the bio too. So, all right, I'll be happy to do so. Melanie Leonard, she is absolutely amazing. We've had her on before, and she's been in the Maximum Lawyer hemisphere for a while, but she is an attorney, an entrepreneur, and one of the leading authorities on the use of legal practice management software. An early adopter of Clio in her own practice, Melanie developed a passion for helping law firms achieve amazing results in their own use of practice management software and soon became one of the first Clio certified consultants. In 2018, Melanie sold her law practice to pursue her passion full-time and streamlined.legal was born. So Streamline.legal, so Streamline Legal, amazing company. In just five years, Streamline Legal has become one of the most sought-after consulting firms in the legal tech industry, having received Clio's Partner-Led Excellence Award in 2019, 2020, 2021, and 2022. Oh, that's it, huh, Melanie? She is, I will say, like we've gone to Melanie uh, on several occasions, has been a great supporter of Maximum Lawyer. So if you do need anything when it comes to systems processes, we'll give Melanie an opportunity at the end of the show to, to say how she can be reached. But if you do need to reach her for something, you should definitely do it. Melanie, w- welcome to the show. Thank you, guys. I am so happy to be here. I'm Melanie. We're so happy that, yeah, you are. You are. And you said, I'm the longest. Well done. That was well done. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> here's, my, here's my first question. We're recording this in early August 2023. And as you look over the landscape of the lawyers that you come in contact with, the lawyers that you find out and about, how do you think lawyers as a class are doing at adopting technology to make their lives easier? Like on a grade scale, like from school, what, what grade would you give lawyers overall? 
Ooh, I'm going to go with like a C if we're talking about the nation in general. I think that your group here, the Maximum Lawyer group, people that are involved in the Maximum Lawyer are scoring far higher than that just because they have a tendency to want to hear about these things and work on these things and do these things. But if we're talking about the nation as a whole, I'm going to grade it pretty low. I mean, I it's not that long ago that I got out of law school and I went into a practice and interviewed, you know, for one of my first jobs out of law school. They didn't even have computers. I mean, I'm not that old, guys. <laughs> like, I mean, so I really just think that, especially if we're spending time, like, in these Facebook groups, you guys have an awesome supportive group here, and there's others out there as well. You know, these are the people that are asking about this stuff and talking about this stuff, and that's awesome, but it kind of gives us a skewed vision of what's out in the world in general, right? And so, yeah, I'm going to have to go with a pretty low score in general, but for your group, I'd say it's more like a B plus. Nice. Very good. Next level members do have, they've, they've got a higher IQ overall too, I heard. Um, <laughs> yes, for sure. So I want to ask you about something. We're going to talk about workflows and things like that, but I'm just so curious. Like, so chat GPT, it was rolled out later last year, late last year. Like how many people flooded to, like, we've got to incorporate AI in our business. Like, what was that like? You know, that's been very cool. I just think that there's a lot of shiny new object syndrome with it still, right? Like everybody wants to use it, which is cool. I think they should. But I think that a lot of people, just like a lot of tools in general, they're kind of jumping the gun, right? Like they dive into whatever the easiest or simplest or easiest to figure out thing is, which is great. That can benefit them. But then they're not necessarily taking a step back to look at like, how should I be doing this? Or should I be doing this? Or when should I be doing this? Like, I, I feel like the in our excitement, sometimes we skip over the whole building a process or a procedure that's going to really serve us. And we just kind of dive into the fun part, which is fine. I mean, it's not to say that can't help you. It's just if we want to come up with a more encompassing, holistic approach of how we're going to use chat GPT in our firms, then we're probably going to get a lot more benefit by doing that kind of approach instead of just jumping into the fun stuff. Now, that being said, I mean, yeah, we use chat GPT for emails and marketing and all kinds of fun stuff. So it's been a lot of fun. Melanie just spoke at our guild mastermind in Austin on sort of automation and the Zapathon 2, we called it. And whenever I think about Melanie, I think about how she saved our bacon at the first Zapathon. Now, let me just set the scene. So Kelsey Bratcher and I worked really hard to put this presentation together. And the plan was for the lawyers, the law firm owners there to sort of figure out how to use Zapier, automation, these kinds of things in their practice and sort of really focusing on how to get software to play nicely together, how to work with the APIs and all that stuff. Tyson is already far and away above, far, far ahead of me on this stuff, and he was doing a lot of stuff internally in Zoho. But we had this Zapathon out in Phoenix, and we had probably 30 law firm owners there, and we were in a big U-shape. And Kelsey started talking, and about 45 minutes in, it was just very, very obvious to all in attendance that he was talking way over the head of a lot of people. And we had to literally scrap our entire agenda on the fly, and we got down to brass tacks, and we're working on building out this software for people from a really basic place. And Melanie saved the day because we needed people, besides Tyson and I, because Tyson and I rolled up our sleeves and were helping people, but 
I, I'll just always remember two things. Elise just holding forth and talking about, she was just very verbal about the pain she was going through trying to get the software to work. And Melanie was bouncing from flighting around like a wonderful bird, just saving our butt, going around and helping people with their they're very basic questions. You know what? It was a blast. I'm so glad we had that experience. I, I actually, I've never told you this, but I was kind of on the fence about going just because, I mean, I wasn't looking to do that much in my own practice, you know, in my own business, but I thought what a great networking opportunity, all that kind of stuff. So I was really glad to have that experience. And Elise and I had already met prior to that. And so we had a bit of a rapport going there and that worked out well. And then of course, all the new friends that we were able to meet and help along the way. And so it was a great experience as was the last one, frankly, too. I obviously having been at both the first and second, you could tell the huge difference, obviously. And I thought that the approach that you guys took in the second one was obviously having learned so much from that first one and every event in between, obviously, was a great, great experience. So yeah, if you have the opportunity to catch the next Zapathon, I'd highly recommend it. To, to this day, it's it's probably the most talked about event we've had it's like and that's why we brought back zapathon too because zapathon like it was so funny because jim's right like we were we were huddled over in a corner like what do we do it like we, we took a break and we're like okay what do, like the whole agenda like for the two days was gone like done so it was it was cool a lot of cool things happened at that at that event but let's talk about workflows though so let's say that you like you have a passion about workflows uh, quite a bit. So what does workflows mean to you? And then where should people start to go about starting to build their workflows? Like where's, where's the starting point? That's a great question. So when I talk about workflows, really, I'm talking about any type of set of steps or written procedure or ideas in your head, which just basically follow first we do this, then we do that, then this person does that. So it doesn't have to be anything formal. It doesn't have to be documented. Like by default, when we go to our firms and we file a new complaint or start a new matter or do whatever we're doing, we have some default workflows we're going by, right? Like we know in the back of our head what we want to happen, even if we haven't told anybody or if we haven't written it down anywhere. So the first thing is to recognize the idea that these things are already happening in your firm. Maybe you don't know all of them. Maybe you have a team that's helping you with them. Maybe they've created their own workflows in this vacuum of not having any <laughs> workflows. You know, but by default, there's something there that's guiding you guys or leading you as to how you're going to work or what direction you're going to go in. And that's great. But what gets tricky is if we're not all on the same page about what these workflows contain, what steps they have, when they're supposed to be done, who's supposed to be doing them, that's when we get into a lot of struggle right? That's when the challenges come up. Like, did this person do that? Or did I do that? Or when am I supposed to do that? Or how's this supposed to happen? Like, those are the kind of things that I think all too often, we jump to the, you know, we, we want to help our clients, right? We want to get stuff done. And so we don't always take the step back to figure out how we're going to do it as a group. And we just kind of dive in and hope people figure it out or help them with this part that we think about, or we don't think about that part, or we leave that part out. So it can be a real challenge if we're not all on the same page with those workflows. And so that's why I feel like it's super ultra important. But as far as where to start, Tyson, 
I think just recognizing that you have some default workflows you're already doing, you just may not recognize them as such. And if you take the time to just think about it a bit, there may be a way that you can find like, oh, okay, well, we maybe we did document that. I mean, we have this checklist, right? The checklist is a great place to start. Here's some steps that we take. Or you know what, I know that we wrote out some instructions when that paralegal started six months ago, like maybe that's a great place to start. So chances are you do have something somewhere that you can start from. And you don't necessarily have to just imagine the case from the start all from scratch. Those are some great points, Melanie. You know, when we first started building out our workflows, we started with our cover letters. Like our cover letters encompassed everything that we put in there. And we said, okay, well, how do we get the cover letter to track everything that's in the packet and then putting the packet together? So you're right. I mean, a lot of this stuff is stuff you're already doing. It's just not written down. So that's great. So you'll be really proud of us. We are building out Salesforce and we've spent six weeks designing it. Like we haven't actually touched the software. It's just been six weeks of getting all of our processes and getting everything out about how it's currently done. And so we really had a problem because we had like duplicate custom fields and we had data all over the place. And so taking an organized approach, it's very foreign to me. I've been running this firm for 15 years or 16 years and I'm a 10 quick start. So to spend that time without having built anything in a way, but in the, in another way, having built everything, it's it's just great. I agree. And, and congrats to you because like you said, this doesn't come naturally to everybody, right? It's not like you just think in systems. Now, there are people that think in systems and that's one thing, but for most people, this is not like a natural way of looking at life or your business. And so I think that, you know, actually forcing yourself, so to speak, or recognizing that this is an important step, I think is critical. And yeah, congrats to you for doing that, because I think it's only going to make your build that much easier. You know, and that's the thing, people come and they're like, so frustrated with software, they're so frustrated with build out of software and all this kind of stuff. But I always look back at, well, did you know what you were trying to build first? right? Like, did you just dive in and start building without knowing exactly what you wanted to build? That's always going to make it harder, right? So I think that's going to be an awesome step for you guys. And and I would imagine it's going to make your build go that much faster, frankly. So Melody, Kashif, he's our CTO. He and I have been working on over the last few months, and then we're, we're planning on a new rollout by the end of September, where we've gone through a lot of our, our processes, and we started just removing things. Like, like just just gutting a lot of the stuff that we had in there because w- what we're realizing is we've really been overworking files is what we've been doing and it are they are they great looking files absolutely but are they all necessary no so I wonder how much how much you see things like that and then what you might recommend people do to prevent that from happening yeah that's a great point are you tired of the marketing guessing game. Does your website feel more like a digital billboard than a client magnet? If you're nodding along, you're not alone. And it's time to stop the uncertainty and start getting real results. Let's talk about your marketing spend. Are you just shelling out money every month and crossing your fingers? Do you ever wonder what impact your marketing is really having on your revenue? Well, it's time to take the guesswork out of the equation with Rise Up Media. We've been working with them for over a year and the feedback from our fellow members has been fantastic. Rise Up Media is here to take your marketing to the next level. They'll even perform a full audit of your online presence, giving you the good, the bad, and even let you in on what your competition is up to that you're missing out on. And the best part, there's no obligation, no catch, 
no pressure. If you decide to work with them, their contracts are month to month. That's right. No long-term commitments tying you down. So what are you waiting for? To learn more about how Rise Up Media can transform your firms, visit riseupmedia.com forward slash maxlaw and rise is spelled with a Z. riseupmedia.com forward slash maxlaw. I think that I do see that. I think it's more common, though, to see the opposite. I more often see workflows that have steps left out, right? Because, again, if we're talking about someone who thinking in a system or thinking in a workflow doesn't come naturally to them, they may leave out very often things that you know, just seem obvious to them. Well, of course, I'm going to email the client, right? Or of course, I'm going to send them this. Well, okay, that's good that it's in your brain, but we need to get that out onto the, you know, paper or wherever we're documenting this. So more often, I see steps missing. And to solve that issue, I usually tell people, you know, work in a team, right? If there's three of you in the room, chances are one of you is going to think of something, right, that maybe the other two forgot or something like that. So if you can bring this kind of process of building these you know, workflows to your team, I think you're going to be a lot more successful and a lot faster, right? Because they may know steps that you're not even paying attention to because you're worrying about other things, right? So that can be a real great benefit. Now, on the flip side, if we find that, you know, we've got just all these steps that are just you know, taking all this time and energy and really what for, I think a great way to start with that is like, let's look at all the steps we have, just like you described, Tyson, let's look at all the steps we have and figure out why we're doing them, right? And if there's a really awesome reason, right, I'm, I'm sending copies of this to my clients so that they stay informed and they don't call my office a hundred times wondering what's going on and someone has to call them back and review the file and give them an update, right? Like if there's a good reason for doing it, well, then yeah, we're going to keep it in there. But if we come across the idea that we just did it because, I don't know, out of habit or because we're used to doing it or something like that, that's in my book, that's never a good enough reason. Like I know a lot of times I'll go into firms and I'll say, Oh, tell me why you're doing it this way or what made you do it this way. And they'll say, Oh, well, I mean, that's just the way I was taught or, you know, that's just the way we've always done it. And I'm like, okay, well, that's good. But why, <laughs> you know, and if again, if there's a good why, then let's keep doing it that way. But if we've lost touch with the why, or maybe the why doesn't even exist anymore, you know, that. For me, that's not a good enough reason. We we should come up with some better reason or just ditch it all together because obviously it's wasting time and energy. I remember I was working with a firm down in Atlanta and they had this issue where they were paying overtime to one of their admin team members to be filing this paperwork back into the paper files. And they were spending all this time and money and the, the person didn't really want to, like it wasn't a highlight of their job, right? So no one was really happy about this. And so we started going through the, okay, why are we doing it this way? Why are we doing this? And at the end of about 30 minutes, the conversation got around to, why do we have these paper files? <laughs> like, is anybody looking at this paper that you're spending all this time and money filing? And it turned out no one was looking at it. Like, it just was there. And I'm like, okay, well, then I guess we don't need paper files anymore, right? So, but that's those kind of things that you don't necessarily figure out if you're just kind of going with the flow all the time, right? I love to reevaluate our workflows on a regular cadence, whether it's once a quarter, once a year, whatever, because things change. And if we're not always reevaluating those or looking at those, we may not catch that change in our workflows. 
There's a great scene in Walter Isaacson's biography of Steve Jobs where Steve Jobs is there with some Apple developers and they're behind one of those two-way or one-way glasses and they're watching somebody like use a mouse and try to clicking around and like all the developers are standing around Jobs yelling at the glass to the people like, no, you click there, you click there. And they're like, it's so obvious, it's so obvious. And Jobs is like, dude, if they can't figure it out, then it's by definition not obvious. And I bring that up because... When you were talking about workflows and like everybody not necessarily knowing things, one of the things I hear around here a lot is, well, that's so obvious or that's just common sense. So what do you say to the people that say, and I think it's how do you draw that line between like not just micromanaging, but like putting every effing detail into the workflow versus keeping it loose enough so that that things don't get bottlenecked. It's a hard it's a hard line. Yeah, I agree. There's no like perfect place or perfect way to do that, but I think that there are some guidelines I look at. So, first of all, I don't assume anything is common sense or everybody should know that or anything like that, because I think that kind of just shows our own biases, right? Like, yeah, it's common sense to me, but here's my experience in life, right? (laughs) But it's not common sense to the person I'm about to hire necessarily. So I lean towards putting more in there. But I do understand in a situation where, you know, you've just got volumes and volumes of detail, how that can become a bit overwhelming, right? The first thing I say is, we like to break it out into like discrete tasks, right? That we can put into our practice management software. And what I think that does is that people become used to, okay, this is what this task looks like. I've read it a hundred times. I know what it means. I know what I'm supposed to do. They don't necessarily have to read it every time, right? But you recognize it as, oh, this is that task. Okay, I'm going to go do it and check it off. But for the people that are new or the people that maybe don't have that level of familiarity, they're going to look at it and love that level of detail, right? Like that's going to be like gold to them because now they don't have to guess at what we were expecting or what we needed to have done. So I think that there is a great value to having that level of detail. But I'll tell you, I've had firms where they'll actually develop two workflows, right? It's the same workflow, but they'll have the detail listed on this copy for, you know, the newer people or the people just coming in or whatever. And then they'll have like the stripped down version of for the more experienced or, you know, more people that have been there longer. And I think that can be helpful, too, because I agree, you don't want to get bogged down the detail. But on the other hand, you don't necessarily have to reference the detail every time, right? Depending on your software and how it's set up and all that, if you can make it such that, you know, it's recognizable, they can reference it and move on, then I don't think the details necessarily getting in the way. I will say, if you guys haven't read that book, The Checklist Manifesto, great book. Yeah. He talks a lot about whether or not you need a level of detail, right? Now, I will say, I think there's a difference between a checklist, as he refers to them, and a workflow, as I refer to them. And a lot of that is that level of detail, right? If I'm in the operating room, and he uses that example a lot, if he's in the operating room as a doctor, and you know, you just need to make sure that this patient doesn't get infected, then yeah, I'm going to quick something I can reference and move on with my surgery, right? But I mean, if I'm in a law firm, and I want to make sure that level of detail does get attained, those margins are correct in the document, or those, you know, font is appropriate, or else it's going to get kicked back from the clerk's office, then yeah, maybe I do want that level of detail in there. So I agree, Jim, there's no perfect answer or where you start or stop. But I do think that I would talk with my team so that any level of detail I put in there, they're not taking it as a personal, like, I don't think you know what you're doing, right? It's more of a, this is a great resource. 
resource. If you don't need the resource, you don't need the resource. But, you know, it's there for people that need it. So I don't know if you've read this yet, Melanie, but A World Without Email by Cal Newport. I haven't yet. You've you got to read it. It's, it's absolutely amazing. And you take Checklist Manifesto, put it right on top of A World Without Email, and you have a great starter pack for any law firm. Awesome. Um, but you should, you should check it out. But with that, I'm going to give you a scenario. So let's say you've got a brand new law firm, okay, starting from absolute scratch. All right. Money's no factor. Actually, I'm not going to ask you the software question. What workflows should they start building out from the very beginning? So, and you don't have to give me all of them, but what are some of them? Yeah. And le- let's be clear that this is, of course, an imaginary world because in the real world, we actually have to run the business while we build it, essentially. <laughs> so that's, <laughs> that's the real world. But in our imaginary world, I, you know, I am a fan of looking at what are the things that we're going to do most often, right? So for most law firms, talking to potential clients is a pretty high volume kind of thing because not every potential client is going to actually hire you, right? So you're going to actually have to interact with more potential clients than are actually going to hire you. So I think that whole intake sales process is a great place to start just because I think it's something that can be systematized workflow, you know, oriented is very workflow oriented. So I think that's a nice place to start. But then after that, one of my favorite places, oh, okay, I'm going to throw in billing here, because of course, we have to make sure that money's coming in or else we've defeated the whole purpose of having the business. Okay, so after the billing, one of my favorite places is looking at that substantive work. I feel like a lot of attorneys underestimate the ability of a workflow within their legal work to be effective, right? So a lot of attorneys think, oh, well, you know, if I'm not doing immigration or estate planning where it's very linear and I'm doing the exact same thing every time, right? Well, Jim will tell you it's not the exact same thing every time. But, you know, if I'm not taking the same steps every time, I do litigation, right? And litigation, you can't put it in a workflow because there's just too many options, right? What if the judge does this? What if this gets thrown out? What if the, you know, parties settle? What if, what if, what if? I would beg to argue that the ability of the workflow to adjust to a what if situation is very strong. So I can make a workflow for filing my complaint. I can make a separate workflow for filing my motion. I can make a separate workflow for responding to the motion. And then I can use those workflows as they come into the case, right? So I may never get to the trial workflow. That's fine. We settled, right? I have a settlement workflow that I can use. So I feel like sometimes we think of our actual legal work as so specific and so, you know, unique to each case that it doesn't work well in a workflow. And I absolutely disagree with that. I think just by virtue of the fact that we have rules of civil procedure, you know, that's, that's a workflow in and of itself. Like there are rules I have to follow and timelines I have to meet within litigation that I can build into a workflow, right? So I really think that while some of those more administrative, like the intake and the billing are super, super important, I'm going to start with what I do the most of. And what I do the most of is probably that petition or that motion or something like that, and probably less likely of a trial, right? How often am I going to trial? Not that often. I'm going to build that workflow last, right? Lawyers that think that what they do is an art, I think are the ones that are having the biggest amount of headaches. Those that do what you just said. I mean, to me, it was a huge game changer for me when Kelsey and I built out a chat bot because I realized 
this shit is all just if this, then that. That's all that this is. Like, in, and, th- and that's how the computers are going to replace a lot of what we do because it's if this, then that. And, and if you spend enough time workflowing out enough of the stuff and you ha- have the capacity to connect it all together, then you have a lawyer and then you have a law firm. Then you have a practice. Yeah, I think – have you read Mike Whalen's book, A Lawyer Forward? I read the first half of it. Okay, so he talks a lot in that book about the difference between – I can't remember what he calls it. Maybe like the specialist and the practitioner or something like that. But basically the idea is that there are lawyers that are really, really focused on and appreciate and enjoy the – you know, the researching the new legal issue and the, you know, really diving into the really intricacies and, you know, uniqueness of a different field and a different case every time. And I think that there's a lot to be said for, you know, the new case law that comes out of that kind of thing and that kind of stuff. But if I'm trying to run a business, I think that's a very difficult proposition because I think you have to structure your business and price your business so differently in that type of esoteric, you know, research kind of based practice, then more, I don't know, a more, I want to say like, I don't know, just a practice where we're actually helping a larger volume of real people, right? And not to say that the those types of practitioners are not helping real people, but it's just a different type of practice. And so I feel like though, even with those more research based practices, you still have things that you do to get to the research of that problem, right? You still have to engage your client in some way. You still have to help them solve their problem in some way. So I think that while there are different types of practices, I agree with you, Jim. I think a vast majority of them are underestimating the ability of the workflow to make your legal practice easier. Your Whether it's the research or the filing or the drafting or whatever it is, all of that can be made easier by these workflows, Not if for no other reason than just to buy you more time to do it. Right. Because if you're looking at everything as recreating the wheel, then it's going to take you a lot longer. And I hope you're pricing your services that way. It's great advice. All right, Melanie, this has been great. I would love to be able to talk for another 30 minutes, but we are we're about at time. So I do want to start to wrap things up. Before I do, I want to give you an opportunity for for you to let people know if they want to work with you and streamline legal. How do they get in touch with you? Absolutely. We are very prominent on social media, but our website is found at streamlined.legal and Facebook. We're on YouTube. We love putting out videos that help you with your practice in the areas of workflows and practice management and document automation and all kinds of great features that your practice management software probably has that you may not be using. So feel free to look for those videos as well. Love it. All right. Before we get to our tips and hacks of the week, I do want to remind everyone to join us in the big Facebook group. Just search Maximum Lawyer on Facebook. Find us there. And if you want a more high-level conversation, go to MaxLawGuild.com. Join us for just absolutely great people and great events. Our quarterly masterminds are a huge hit. And in addition to our other things we do, like the Zapathon 2 that we did in Austin, which Melanie was a, a huge part of. So thank you so much for that, Melanie. And then if you don't mind giving us a five-star review while you're listening to the rest of these episode, this episode, we would greatly appreciate it. Jimmy, what is your hack of the week? When I started the firm in 2007 or shortly thereafter, I didn't know much about marketing. And I read two books that had a great big impact on me. One was Tribes by Seth Godin and the other was Crush It by Gary Vaynerchuk. 
I have been listening to a lot more Gary Vaynerchuk lately, and it's it's a constant reminder that we're not creating enough content. And if you just want to get motivated to do some more content, listen to a couple episodes of Gary V. It'll get your mind right. It'll get you thinking about content that you can create, how to distribute it, how to repurpose it. And in my mind, Gary is very optimistic and encouraging, and I think that you'll find that they'll get you off the schneid if you have been slacking on content. It's interesting. I've not heard you talk about Gary Vee in a while, and I've not seen Gary Vee on any social media recently, but I also have not been consuming as much recently. So I don't know what that says about my viewing habits, but it's interesting. I had not thought about Gary Vee in a long time. I bet I've not seen him in three months, which is just wild to think about. But anyways, Melanie, what is your tip or hack of the week? So my hack is that I want you to open up whatever practice management software you are currently using. And I want you to find the workflow feature that's in there, because I really think that as you begin to think through these processes, that's a great place to document these things and to benefit from them by having your team you know, alerted to when it's their turn to do a particular step in the process. If you're using Clio, they're going to be Clio task lists is what they're called. If you're using my case, there's a workflow feature in there as well. They've all got them. It's just a question of what they're calling them. It's, it's great advice. I know you're always an advocate of, of using the software you have. So that's a, that's a good one. My, my tip. So by the time that this episode comes out, we're going to be either in September or nearing September, which means that Q4 is is rapidly approaching. And so my tip is to make sure that you get your quarterly meeting scheduled because planning for 2024, believe it or not, is, is right around the corner. So you need to start getting ready for that. So get your Q4 quarterly meeting scheduled. And also if you do a separate annual meeting, get that scheduled as well, because now's the time to do it because things start to get busy. And then next thing you know, if you don't do it now, it won't happen. So make sure you get those scheduled now. Melanie, thank you so much for your support of the show, your support of Maxim Lawyer, and just coming on here and sharing just wonderful advice. Thank you guys. It's my pleasure. We appreciate it. Thanks, Melanie. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. To stay in contact with your hosts and to access more content, go to MaximumLawyer.com. Have a great week and catch you next time. Hey, it's Jim. You can't have any excuses when it comes to smart hiring. In order to grow, you need to delegate and focus on your role as a law firm owner. Get Staffed Up helps you build your all-star team by staffing your law firm with incredible full-time offshore executive assistants, legal assistants, marketing assistants, and much more. Their VA's mission and job is to put time back on your plate. Visit www.getstaffedup.com forward slash maxlaw. Sign up and they'll find you the top 1% of English-speaking virtual assistants in Latin America.